You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From March the 7th, 2021, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is John 2, verses 13 through 22. In our scripture lesson today, I'm going to introduce you to a sacred reading practice developed by St. Ignatius of Loyola. The practice is called Holy Imagination. So instead of the scripture passage printed in your bulletin, we're actually going to read the gospel text twice with two different emphases each time. And so during this first time, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. During this first reading of sacred scripture... I want you to listen for the broad strokes of Scripture. Who's in the text? Who's in the story? What are they doing? What is the setting? And then I'll explain a little further as we read the text twice. Sometimes during this contemplative practice, you may want to close your eyes and attempt to really hear what the Lord is trying to say to you through the text. And so hear now the word of the Lord from John chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near, And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Thanks be to God for the reading of God's word. For our second scripture lesson, we are in the same scripture, but using this contemplative practice that Ignatius developed called holy imagination, this time we're not just listening for the who, what, when, you know, this time we're using our imaginations to place ourselves in the story. And we can maybe imagine ourselves as one of the characters that's named, or maybe we can imagine ourselves as an unnamed bystander. Maybe we can imagine ourselves as an inanimate object. And we use our five senses. What would we see? What would we hear? What would we experience or feel as we listen? We're using our imaginations in this sacred practice If you choose, you may close your eyes to help you transport yourself back to the scene. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle, 
He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this sacred practice called Holy Imagination, developed by St. Ignatius, is one of the many sacred reading practices that I employ with a group of pastors that I meet with uh, almost every Tuesday. It's my lectionary group. And on Tuesdays, the small group of pastors and I, we come together, we meet online, and together we study the scripture text for the week. And we'll uh, talk about the scriptures and we'll kind of engage, uh, well, what does this mean for the world today? And it's a rich time and we have men and women and people from three different states, including a pastor in Kansas City. And my favorite part of the whole lectionary group experience is, is harassing the Kansas City preacher after the Buccaneers absolutely whipped the Chiefs for the Super Bowl. It's a little smack talk, you know, in the, in the preacher's group. And so this holy imagination was the sacred reading practice that my lectionary group enjoyed this past Tuesday. And so together we were reading this text and we're placing ourselves in the text using the power of imagination. Um, And so, you know, we can imagine ourselves as one of the named characters or a bystander or an inanimate object. Well, as uh, my colleague was reading the scripture, I imagined myself as one of the disciples, right? I'm right there with Jesus. And Jesus, you know, he's got his whip and he's coming in strong to the temple and he's turning over tables and he's pouring out the money changers. And whatever Jesus is doing in my imagination, I'm right there doing it with him. Right? If he turns over a table, then I'm to his right, and I turn over a table. And if he's pouring out the money changers' coins all around, then, then I'm grabbing up the money changers' coins all around, and I'm spreading it. And I'm like, yeah, it's a very exciting sort of scene, right? Imagine yourself right there, a part of it. Then my colleagues and I started talking about our experience with the holy imagination, and I shared what I just shared with you. I was right there with Jesus, man. I was turning over the tables. I was dumping out the coin. Uh, why, why am I using a redneck voice when I'm, I, I don't know. It just kind of came out that way. I'm dumping out the coins. And I told them my experience with the holy imagination. And then they shared their experience. One of my colleagues said, well, I imagine myself as a temple employee which maybe not a far stretch as a pastor, right? I imagined myself as a temple employee, and I was irritated. I was angry with what was happening. You're making a a scene. You know, we keep order here. We keep the place clean, and you're coming in and turning over tables? She was angry. Another colleague said, well, I imagined myself as a money changer. 
Another female colleague said, I, I did too. I imagined myself as a money changer. And as my colleagues started talking, they began to imagine that as clergy, as kind of keepers of the institutional church, that, that maybe we're a little bit more like the money changers than Jesus and the disciples. Ouch. And I, as they were talking, I, I began to recognize my own hubris in imagining that I would have been right there with Jesus as Jesus turned over the tables at the temple, as Jesus challenged the oppressive system, as Jesus pointed out the injustice of that system, as Jesus sided with the poor over the, over the rich and powerful, as Jesus took a stand for the weak, as Jesus risked his very life for this higher purpose. How arrogant of me to think I would have been there with Jesus. Now, knowing me, I guess I'd been on the other side of that table. One of my colleagues shared a meme that's kind of been going around social media. And it's, it's basically a prayer, and the prayer says this, God, forgive me for the times I have desired a seat at a table that you would have flipped. I think I'm going to say that again because that's worth remembering. God, forgive me for the times that I have desired a seat at a table that you would have flipped. What hubris of me to think I would have been there turning over tables and dumping out coins. What arrogance. But that's what Lent is about, right? For, for going a little deeper, for, for being exposed to the ways in which our... Is that my phone? My goodness, what a day. What a day we've had today. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> Airplane mode. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus calling. <laughs> okay, it's not my phone. It's still going off, so it's not mine. <laughs> Lent. Back to that, right? Lent is a time where we kind of turn our, our thoughts inward to see where our lives don't quite line up to the lives that Jesus would have for us. My colleagues held a mirror in front of me to say, and I saw that I was, I was arrogant, and I saw what hubris I was exhibiting. In this Lenten journey, we turn inward, we, we trade the revelry of Fat Tuesday for the solemn penitence of Ash Wednesday. We dive a little deeper in our faith. We, we let go of things that we're holding on to so much so that, that, that the Spirit of God can't get in. So we try to let go, we free up space for the Spirit of God and for the Christ consciousness to grow within us. There's a story about an American scholar, and his specialty of study was the Japanese tea ceremony. And he had studied this his whole life. He was an expert at it, and in fact, he was kind of world-renowned as the Western expert in the Japanese tea ceremony. And he heard about that over in Japan, there was an old man who was known as the master of the tea ceremony. In all of Japan, he was the master. And so this American scholar wanted to go meet the Japanese master. And so he traveled all the way to Japan. And the master invited the American scholar to his modest home just outside of Tokyo and invited him into his home for tea. Tea ceremony, right? 
And as the American scholar sat down for tea, he was just filled up with all of the exciting stuff that he knew about the tea ceremony. And he was so anxious to tell the Japanese master all about all of his learnings and everything that he knew and and share his vast knowledge with the master. And as the American scholar kept talking and kept talking about all of his knowledge, the Japanese tea master was pouring him a cup of tea. And when it filled to the brim, he didn't stop. And the tea began to to spill over, and he still didn't stop. He kept pouring until until there was a, a stream of tea flowing out of the cup down onto the floor. And the American scholar said, "Are are you crazy? Can't you see that the cup is already full? And the Japanese master said, I'm practicing for the challenge of passing learning to a mind that is already full. (laughs) The Japanese master did something outrageous to make a point, kind of like Jesus in the temple, doing something outrageous to make a point. And whenever I come across this story, I imagine it, seeing it as a movie, and there's a, there's a flashback with Jesus as a, as a babe in arms, kind of like this stained glass window over here. Jesus is in Mary's arms and Joseph right there, and they're going to the temple for the ritual purification. And they have to make a sacrifice as required by the law, and so so. So Joseph, Jesus' dad, goes up to the money changer's table, and he can't afford the lamb. And so he has to buy either the two doves or the two pigeons, and so he buys the the two pigeons. And then he goes and takes the pigeons from the money changers over to the altar of sacrifice and sacrifices the two pigeons. And, And so that's the scene that's playing out, exploiting the poor, including Mary and Joseph and Jesus. For what purpose, we're not quite sure for the sacrifice system that Jesus would then eradicate, right? And so I imagine maybe Jesus in his subconscious in this flashback kind of goes back to that moment when his dad was humiliated at the money changer's table because he wasn't rich enough to afford the lamb and he buys the doves. But now Jesus is all grown up. He's 30, 33, something like that. And he's back at the temple. And this time he doesn't buy a sacrifice, no, no. He goes up to the money changer's table and instead of plunking money down, he pulls out a whip and pow, knocks it over. Now when you think about Jesus, this Jesus with a whip may not be the Jesus that comes to mind. Maybe, maybe you're like Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights who preferred the baby Jesus. You ever see that movie? So maybe you prefer the baby Jesus or Jesus as a young man, 12 years old at a temple or Jesus praying alone in the wilderness or perhaps Jesus up on a cross, or maybe the resurrected Jesus. Maybe these are the pictures of Jesus that you have in mind. And this Jesus with a whip is kind of, it's an alternate view, isn't it? Hmm. This is our 72nd anniversary here at Chapel by the Sea. And for 72 years, we've been a witness here at Clearwater Beach, imperfectly, I'm sure, at times. But we've been a witness here of the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Now, how many hotels are on Clearwater Beach? A lot, right? How many restaurants are on Clearwater Beach? A lot. How many bars are on Clearwater Beach? A lot. And I want to go to all of them, probably not in one night. 
I love our restaurants and our hotels and our bars, but how many churches are in Clearwater Beach? There's one. What we're doing here is counter-cultural. We're a witness on Clearwater Beach that there's something more than revelry and there's something more than commerce. There's something deeper and more real, and we are a witness of that deeper and more real, and his name is Jesus. Isn't it great to be used by God as salt and light today just as well as 72 years ago? What a high honor and what a calling to be used in this way. After that experience with my electionary group on Tuesday of imagining myself right there with Jesus and being shown the error of my ways, I I went back privately and engaged in holy imagination again. And this time I decided to imagine myself as an inanimate object. And I imagined myself as the whip. And I imagined what it might feel like to be held firmly in Jesus' hand, having no will of my own, but just responsive to every flick of the wrist. I imagine the energy of turning over the tables and running out the money changers. And I imagine Jesus using me like that. And then when the task was done, I imagine that Jesus maybe just dropped me on the ground. He was done with me. And the temple guards coming around and picking me up off the floor and turning me over to the Romans as Exhibit A, evidence. Then I imagined myself finding my way into the hands of a Roman soldier who then used me to flog the very Jesus that first held me. It's a powerful experience for me as I imagined myself in all those ways with one little tool in this whip It's kind of like our lives, right? Our lives can serve the purpose of Jesus or our lives can not. And we all have some of both in us, don't we? Parts of our lives serve Jesus well and other parts, maybe not so much. And just like the whip that Jesus used to turn over tables, then he also set tables, didn't he? And so for us today, as we turn our attention to the table that Jesus set for us. The invitation is to not think of ourselves as flanking Jesus' right side, imagining we would have been right there with Jesus as he turned over the tables, but imagining that maybe the lesson is actually for us. Jesus sets the table for us, even though maybe we're on the other side of the table from him. The invitation is to reflect on our lives And how we might empty our cups just a little bit to fill up more with the Christ consciousness that waits to grow in us. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.